Welcome to the 460th episode of the Jamie Delaney Plant-Based Wellness Podcast. My name is Jamie Delaney, and I'm your host. I'm a plant-based cardiologist and endurance athlete living in Southwest Florida. Today, I am happy to be joined by Sandy Geisel. Sandy and I met because she was told to stop running. And when you hear her story, you'll realize that stopping running for running for Sandy would be, you know, the end of her favorite passion. She has run since she's been in her 30s. She has done adventure racing all over the world. She's run numerous marathons, ultra marathons, 100-mile run, 140-mile runs, and continues to run. And for her 60th birthday, she decided to run 60 marathons her 60th for her 60th year. But we met because she had a positive calcium score, and she was told not to run. She wasn't evaluated. She wasn't asked about her symptoms. She wasn't, um, you know, her, her lifestyle wasn't taken into account. She was told that running would be dangerous. And if we look at, you know, an abnormal test, we might say that, you know, things are not normal. But the question should be, what can we do to make things better, what can we do to make things safer? How can we do something that makes us happy and healthy? So we know that running um, decreases cardiovascular events, yet we're telling people to become sedentary if they have an abnormal test. And that's kind of old news. You know, way back in the day when somebody had a heart attack, they would put them at bed rest. And soon we found out that um, you need to get people up right away, and cardiac rehab was born, and cardiac rehabilitation was all about, early on, getting people up and moving, walking, doing a treadmill test before and after, and getting, giving people the confidence to get back exercising. So she has an interesting story. Um, one of the things that she said in her blog um, several years ago, but if a dream or a goal scares us, and excites us at the same time, by attempting it challenges us, challenges us to grow. So I think those are pretty good words of wisdom. I think a lot of times we don't challenge ourselves enough. And we'll talk about that and some other things. But the question remains, if you have a positive calcium score, do you have coronary artery disease even if you have no symptoms? And I had that question posed to me earlier this week by another member. And... The simple answer would be yes. If there's calcium in the coronaries, there is a sign of cardiovascular disease. And if we were to echo, or I'm sorry, get a calcium score on the majority of people, um, especially over 60, there's a good chance we'll see some calcium in the vessels because wear and tear and uh, what we've eaten and plaque buildup can cause calcium and coronary artery disease. It's about, uh, I think the number is someplace around 55-60% of people over 60 have some degree of vascular disease. If you have hypertension, you have vascular disease. If you have carotid artery disease, plaques, you have vascular disease. So just because we have a diagnosis of something doesn't necessarily mean that um, our fate is sealed, that we can't want reverse it or make the function better by increasing collateral circulation and or making ourselves or making our bodies use oxygen more efficiently. That takes the stress off our heart. So there's lots of things we can do um, 
So we don't necessarily have to get worried by a diagnosis of vascular disease, especially in the absence of symptoms. Some people may say, well, I'm a ticking time bomb because I have this abnormality and it's just a matter of time before something happens. Again, not necessarily true. Our lifestyle has a lot to do with that. And again, we can't predict the future. Um, you know, some people that have vascular disease end up dying of cancer. Uh, some, you know, so you can't say that your fate is sealed and there's nothing that you can do about it. I think the takeaway message is the absence of perfection doesn't mean that our whole system is a failure. So I hope you enjoy this interview. I hope you're motivated and inspired by Sandy as I am. Um, so enjoy. the opportunity to welcome Sandy Geisel to the podcast tonight. Sandy is a 60 years young, very accomplished ultra endurance athlete. And if you want to stock Sandy on the Google machine or ultra sign up, you've got a lot of reading to do because she's been doing ultra events way back way back into the 2000s so you were doing an ultra at age 37 when i ran my first marathon <laughs> and before that adventure eco adventure races and um so you you threw a few marathons in there but it sounds like you quickly got bored with marathons did some ironmans scattered in but kind of dipped your feet into endurance uh 50 40 50 100 mile 135 140 mile races and my biggest reason for having you on the podcast is you're a plant-based endurance athlete and you just completed 60 marathons for your 60th year around the sun so happy birthday and congratulations on 60 marathons thank you <laughs> so we ran into each other um well you kind of ran into me i don't know if you i don't know how you actually found me whether it was a podcast or whatever but um you kind of had all these all these great things happen to you, and then you had a positive calcium score. So we'll get into that in a little bit. But um, tell me, you know, again, what started? You started out with marathons. Is that true? Uh, yeah, I started out with 5K, and I didn't run. I hated it. Um, some friends talked me into running one, and so I secretly trained for two weeks and ran the 5k and then of course I got bit by the bug and went and did 5k's almost every weekend um it was fun for the fitness as well as the social so then I just kept bumping up it's like I wonder what a 10k would feel like <laughs> I wonder what a marathon would feel like and when I did my first 50k I remember telling some friends I met some people that did a hundred miler. I ever talk about doing that. Get me help. <laughs> no, well, I mean, but back in, so in, in age, in 2000, I mean, born to run was just coming out. I mean, I remember when I started running, I uh, born to run probably came out. Dean Carnaz's ultra marathon man book coming out. And I, 
you know, he was the only one that I knew that ran um, those long, dis- well, I didn't know him, but I mean, you know, read about lo- running these long distances and, you know, it just seemed extreme. Um, again, like who would in their right mind need to do that? Mm-hmm. Um, but you, I mean, you, you didn't, it didn't take you very long, 50 miler at age 37. Um, and then you did Western States not too far after that. Yeah, so I was lucky back then um, when I'd done my first 50K, I'd asked, I met like three people that had ever done 100. And I asked one, and I said, what's this Western States? How do you get in? She said, I just have to do a 50 miler. I think you had to do it in under a certain time. She said, you have to do a 50 miler to qualify and then you apply. So I'm like, I asked her, I said, what's a good one? She mentioned, this shows our age, Sunmar, which was in Houston, Texas. It's pretty much the, I think it's the Rocky Raccoon course. And um, it was good. It was fun and fast. And then I went home and applied for Western States and got in. And that was 2003 that I ran it. So with Western States, I even I just showed up not having a clue of what I was doing. And I showed up just with my running clothes, basically. And uh, people were like, don't you have a drop bay? No. Who's your crew? Me. <laughs> it's like there's eight stations in there. So uh, I actually put a Ziploc together with a, back then it was just power bars. So a power bar and a pair of shoes. And I had it at one of the eight stations. I think it was... Um, right before the no hands. So, and I- that was, That's almost at the end. Yeah, it was like mile 68 or so. I don't even remember the course. I had no idea what the course was like. And the first thing we're doing is climbing a ski slope. Was <laughs> so, it snowy that year? It, well, I did a snow angel when we got to the top. <laughs> so it was just a little bit on top and a little bit of ice and snow. For the viewers who haven't watched, you know, uh, and, and know Western States course, um, there's a, a U, there's lots of YouTube videos about Western States 100. But um, Lucy Bartholomew's Lucy's dad is a um, recent documentary released on YouTube about Western States, and you can get an idea what Sandy would have went through with her power bar. It's uh, <laughs> quite amazing. <laughs> ignorance is bliss perhaps yeah, absolutely <laughs> so you got through just eating off the aid stations for that race in a power right. ball, in a right. pair of shoes all right so what'd you learn from that race take two power um, <laughs> I went pretty aggressively I thought I was gonna I was gonna shoot I had heard if you did under 24 hours you got a silver buckle yeah so I went out there pushing for that and um it ended up um, I had from adventure racing, everything was really lightweight that you carry because ounces equals minutes and your time, it slows you down. So I, I raced super light and I had this real light, you probably heard of the Petzl Tika and you could barely see inside your own home with that. It was so <laughs> dim. So I was running along an edge and it was looked like a pretty big drop off and I'm afraid of heights so I had to shuffle and walk most of that 
Um, so that was one little mistake. And then um, not having enough food. Somebody actually did give, give me some food from the aid station. But I um, came in after crossing the creek and I said, I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> and the doctor actually came up to me, or not a doctor, a support person. There was medical there, but he was like, I don't recommend you sleeping. And I looked at him and it's like five minutes. And I, <laughs> I got up and I took off running because I knew I was not even close to my 24 hour. And I just wanted to finish the race. I thought I'm not doing any more. I'm just running it. So I ran as hard as I could and I finished in like 28 and a half hours. Wow. But that wasn't good enough. Um, you started, you found out about bad water. And uh, so I guess the, the biggies are bad water, 135. And of course, Western states, I guess, well-known people that aren't necessarily in the ultra world may have heard of them. Um, and bad water is uh, from the lowest point to the highest point in the lowest United States uh continental United States. I had Bob Becker on the podcast after his 135 uh, race. So you eventually took that race on, but it took you a couple times on that one. Right, right. So that was a big learning uh, experience. Heat training is for me critical and I didn't heat train enough. Um, my electrolytes were off. I've been having some little bit of issues with swelling and, um, I had to pull pretty early in the race. Um, that was 2013. So then I just kept focusing on it. It was the holy grail for me all of a sudden. I got to get this. I started it. So I, um, I one year I actually did it solo. I had five friends that crewed me. And middle of July, it was a couple weeks after the race, um, they helped me and I ran the whole course. Um, so that was a great experience. And then I wanted to do it as the race. So I got back in, I had crewed like four years, got to know everybody, but I got back in, I was fortunate in 2021. I age 57, um, I, I might say. Yeah. Yeah. Age 57. That's just numbers. What I'm telling myself. <laughs> the 60 was the scary one, but, um, I'm still alive. So yeah, 57, I um, finished it. I actually got ahead of my A goal. So I was happy. Um, and it's done. <laughs> That's I got it off my back and I'll go and keep crewing people. I probably I won't race it again, but I'll be happy to crew or volunteer. So you got uh, did more heat training for that one. Oh, I hung out in the sauna for two months before. So it was really good training. So I found a, a sauna in Atlanta and called them up and they said, well, I said, how hot does it get? Uh, 155 degrees. Oh, it doesn't get any hotter. Well, <laughs> one location, it gets hotter. Just call them before you come and they'll crank it up. So it hit 180 and I would sit in there from 40 minutes to an hour and 10 minutes and um, try to eat and drink. I was drinking and sure, sitting in the sauna, I would crack the door open, take a big sip and crack it <laughs> back close. Yeah, so it helped train my stomach as well. 
And, and fast forward, congratulations, most recently at age 60, you did the Daytona 100 here. Yeah, so that was a fun 25, 28, a very respectable time. Yeah, there I was hoping for a little faster, but it was good. I had a fun time. So, you know, I mean, it sounds like this is all really easy for you. You know, you 5K and you just progressed and, you know, we left out all the nitty gritty details, but along the way, um, you had a calcium score and, and you had that just because, is that correct? No, actually I had a race. I've been having some swelling issues in races and I get nauseous and, um, so I just said, I'm going to go after route 66 in 2022, which I finished. I said, you know, I was sick. I couldn't run for 30 miles. I couldn't eat. And um, so I said, I'm going to go get everything checked. And when I went back to the, um, like within two weeks, I went and got all my blood work and my cholesterol went through the roof. Um, it would hit 320, which I've never heard of many people that high. I'm sure you may have, uh, being a cardiologist, but I, um, so I, I got a calcium score right after that, got a CT scan and, um, my calcium was like 410 on the left ascending artery, mm -hmm. which it, I knew nothing about that. So then that's where I started reading and researching. And um, it was enough to scare me. Um, when I and went, you were doing, you were doing keto back then a little bit. Um, so I had tried keto for maybe two years, about five or six years ago. And I felt good. Um, we just kind of fell off of it. The biggest accomplishment there was I cut out sugar and, um, but I ate a lot of meats that would cause your cholesterol to go up. We didn't care the quality. We were just eating it. My husband went on it too. Um, but in the last 10 years, my diet had changed from what I thought was pretty good, healthy to, okay, I'll have half a pound of bacon for breakfast. Mm. And that's what it was for a few years. And my calcium or my cholesterol I saw back in 2016 was 200. And my general practitioner said, yeah, that's getting high, but your HDL is pretty good. So I never thought twice about it. Never thought about it again. And then when it hit 320, I looked back at all my results for the past seven years or six years and uh, saw that just kept creeping up. So I had assumed that was a lot of diet. And so with, with uh, the calcium score coming back, my cholesterol high, I have, um, I did not want to take any medicine statins or anything. So I thought, okay, I'm going to try with a um, healthy diet going plant-based. And um, so that's where I found you. I Googled you and I found, <laughs> I, I looked for cardiologist runner and bonus. I found you cardiologist, ultra runner and a whole food plant-based and I just started Whole Foods about a month before 
and I was super strict with it, but I didn't know all the, what I was doing. Um, exactly. You know, what was good, what fats were okay. So, um, I was thrilled that I found you. And also the first cardiologist that I had talked to that did the CT said, um, she had recommended that I not run, which would my heart drop to my stomach at that minute. And I think I responded, I can't. But um, so once I met you and we had the nuclear stress test and just felt more comfortable with maintaining my running, that's when I, back in February, I was like, okay, what am I going to do for my 60th birthday? And so that's where I decided, you know, I got a new lease on life and I went and ran 60 marathons in 32 weeks. And, and you were recovering just like nothing happened. Right. That's what, that was the best. I mean, there were so many things that pointed me in the right direction or confirmations that I was doing the right thing with the whole food plant base. And, uh, my recovery, I would do three a week and feel fine. Like the next day I was ready to do it again. Um, and I did a lot of them were on sidewalk, which tends to be more damaging, but it's still, I was able to run again. Um, yeah, so I was, I was pleased with um, the recovery and I did them so quickly that for the last two and a half months, I had registered for three races. Most of the marathons, by the way, were me doing 26.2 miles on my own. But so I had to, when the races were in September and October, I couldn't do any other marathons during the week because I would have hit over 60. I thought, well, you know, I could do <laughs> 70 and not tell anyone. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, I waited for the 60th and to make it a little more challenging, I focused on qualifying for Boston and I just did on my 60th birthday. Congratulations to that too. I was just going to bring that up. I, uh, I just remembered that. Yeah. So qualified for Boston, run a hundred miles, run 60 marathons in uh, on 365 days of your 60th year around the sun with a very elevated calcium score. And, you know, when you called me and your calcium score was elevated, of course, we talked about symptoms and you had some, some symptoms, but they weren't really what I would have you know, lean towards it being cardiac. But nevertheless, like you told me with the cholesterol 320 and, you know, your past, it's like, well, you know, to be safe before we send you out into the woods by yourself. Uh, and it's not, again, for, you know, if people aren't ultra runners that are listening to this, it's not like she just goes out and walks these. She's always pushing to do as best she can when her age group, wherever she's. So she's not lollygagging around when she's out there. And it's like, okay, I want you to do a stress test and you live in Georgia. So you were going to have it done up there. Mm -hmm. But I said, you can't, you can't let, you can't let them stop you like for a normal person. Um, the problem with stress testing today is it's, you know, trickled down. It's one of the least invasive procedures done by cardiologists. It's also one of the biggest money making procedures done by cardiologists because you can justify it in just about anybody but typically, because it's somewhat low tech, um, it's been trickled down to uh, an allied health professional, a nurse or a tech to actually do the stress test part. And the problem with that is that you lose a lot of great information. Because when you 
you know, when we watch, when we have somebody exercise till complete fatigue or they say uncle, um, and typically a protocol is three minutes, it gets steeper and faster and just keeps going until somebody says it can't go any faster. And when you use nuclear imaging, once you get past 85% of your predicted maximal heart rate, so 220 minus your age, most of the time the perfusion is such that if there is a blockage, it'll probably come out at that point. But again, that's in the general population. And so it's been dumbed down. So if anybody hits 85% of their predicted max, then they just inject and stop the test. That's one thing if somebody never exercises and so they're not fit at all. And so typically if you're not fit and you haven't been walking, you start to walk, your heart rate goes up really quick. So it gets to 85 really quick. On the other hand, if you're a lifelong exercises, exerciser or you're really fit, then it takes a lot longer and a lot more exertion for your heart rate to get up to 85% of predicted maximum, as well as typically people that exercise or run on a regular basis have a tremendous amount of collateral flow. So to really tell whether or not there's impaired perfusion or some big blockage hanging around, you really got to go further. And again, most people don't do it. You start, you know, you start to get one. It takes, you know, so you were on the treadmill. I told you if you can go for 14 minutes, um, you know, it was all clear. And usually the average person goes somewhere between seven and 10 minutes. An older person might go three to six minutes of completely unchanged. So you can imagine the noise when the treadmill is really ramped up uh, at an incline and somebody's really pounding running. One, people in the room are going to get concerned and it's hard to watch if you're not used to watching somebody actually exert themselves that hard. So in an untrained person, allied health professional, they'll typically pull the plug early. They don't want to take any chances, but you don't get the information that you need. So we made the deal that if you go over 14 minutes and the perfusion is good, back to the woods you go and you passed it with flying colors. <laughs> yeah, the uh, tech was joking about it. They're like, well, we're going to go to lunch. We'll come back. I'm sure yeah. you'll still be running. <laughs> The funniest story I ever had was we we were doing stress tests in my office and we had kind of a prep room and the stress room. And I had two guys in my practice that didn't know each other, but they knew what the record time was for my office to be on a treadmill. And so every time they came in for their post bypass or post um they had, you know, back in the day, they'd had both of them, I think either had stents or one of them had stents in the bypass they see they race they race for the they race to get the win uh the longest duration and so this one guy was on the treadmill and he was just pounding on the treadmill and it, you know the, the those the big bulky uh office treadmills you know are noisy and you know it was humming and he was pounding and you know and there was this woman in line on deck who didn't exercise at all and she thought i was going to make her do that <laughs> and, and so she was in the other room crying because she just knew she was going to die when she got on the treadmill. And it's like, no, 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 no. It's, you know, it's, it's what you can do, not, not what you, you know, there's not a specific number that you actually have to hit. But I always tell people I'm going to rev the engine, you know, so don't, don't quit when you're just huffing and puffing. Give me all you got because then we can really get some good information. Um, so um, you did you did great on that, and 
when you said you went and did Route 66, that's not 66 miles. It's the name of the Route 66. It's a 140-mile race that you completed. Mm-hmm. Um, that was at age 59. So your uh, everything's everything's going good into your 60s. What are the big plans for uh, you know the the 60th your seventh 70th? This what is that the seventh decade? Oh yeah, I'm in it too, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it was scary hitting sixty, but it's like yeah, you know, I feel good. Um, so I'm just gonna focus. Well, not on just shorter races. I've got a few um, races in the next six months. We signed up. My husband and I signed up for a, a short trail series, so they're gonna be average six seven miles on trails runs. So there's I think five of those. And then I'm doing a 40-miler road run race, Strolling Gym, which is one of the oldest races in the country. And then um, I'm doing Cruel Jewel 58. 58, 58, 56. Yeah, 56. Who knows? It's 50-ish. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Let's say 56 uh, because I'm signed up too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I can't wait. (laughs) So yeah, I don't know what's after that. Uh, I'm sure I'll find things. I'm like a kid in a candy store sometimes. I want it all, but have to hold back. So what do you what do you see when you have your ultra friends? And and so how many of your ultra friends are your age? Actually, quite a few. Um, yeah, there's a lot. It seems the longer distances, um, the age creeps up a little bit the average age but yeah I have a lot of friends most of them are in their 50s and a few in their 60s um that I run with and, and I run with some 30 year olds too once in a while and, that hurts. And, and compared to the rest of the rest of walking around I mean as you see a difference in you know the philosophy so you know, the, of course I'm getting ready, got two weeks. So I'm going to attempt my first hundred miler. And, um, I remember when I was getting ready to do my 50, I, I heard somebody say it doesn't hurt much more after 26. And that's what I hung on to. And it was true. It didn't hurt much more after 50. It becomes more of a nutrition issue. I think after 50, mm-hmm. uh, more than anything, but now a hundred, um, there's definitely going to be a mental aspect to this. And, um, you know, there's the old adage, you can do more than you think you can. And um, how does that apply to you? I mean, why why push yourself? Why not just do 10Ks now? You know, what's interesting is when you said that to push yourself and it's mental, um, I think to back up a bit, it's not at least 80%, more 90% mental. Um, I've had DNFs. I've had my share i never used to my first five eight years of running then um and there's i call some of them good dnfs and some are bad and the ones i call bad is just because i wasn't into it mentally even before the start um like one race i know i went and attempted it a second time i did it first time and finished well and then the second time I went, I was like, you know, I'm not in the mood to do 100 miles. I just want to do 50. And I decided I'll stop at 100K. It was through the through Charleston. So I stopped at 100K and stopped at a pizza place. 
and then got an Uber back to my car. But but it is mental. There's other ones though that I'm struggling and it's tough and I you know, I just know it'd be so much easier to stop, but those were big goals in my head. So I finished them like bad water. Yeah. I finished ahead of schedule, but it's never easy. Um, there's no real easy hundreds, but, um, again, most of the DNFs I've had, um, the ones that mentally I just went into it. I call that a bad one. The good DNFs, you know, if you really have something health wise, stop, listen to your body. And um, I've always taken that as a priority and stopping. And I coach a lot of people too. And you just got to know their situation. We joke about it. It's if there's no bones or, or, you know, coming protruding, then keep going. But I've had some one race, I lost my vision in one eye. And that had happened to me 20 years ago in short races. And I was like, okay, I'm not taking the chances of blood clot out here. So that was a good one that I stopped. How has, how has it helped you with the rest of your life? Tremendously. Amazingly. Well, between ultra running and my adventure racing, I used to do the eco challenges that you're out in the jungles or the woods. I did some all over the world, but like Borneo, Malaysia, you're in the jungles for eight, 10 days. You're soaking wet. Um, so you're mountain biking, kayaking, swimming, running, climbing, even scuba diving. And um, those races, you just got to keep pushing forward, just like an ultra. And with a team, you are less likely to stop. Oh, I'm tired. You know, you just got to keep going because everyone else is relying on you. But it helped a lot in real life, the team sports, because as in my career, it helped me manage people and work together as a team. Um, ultra running, same thing, uh, working with people and you have crew, you appreciate their help um, and vice versa. I like to crew people and help. Um, but it helps you when times are tough. I was in real estate during the crash in 2007, eight and nine, and it was bad. I went to like 10% of my income and didn't know how I could feed my dog. You know, I just had no, was losing everything. So I kept looking at it. It's like, okay. I'm at the first aid station. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it to the other. So you just chop it up in small pieces. And um, yeah, I remember I was back on my feet financially with real estate. It's like, I'm almost done, but they moved the finish line. <laughs> See it. So it just, it helps, I think, because it's odd when people ask me, why do you run ultras? It's hard to answer that, but there are benefits like that. And then, of course, physical benefits. And then the camaraderie is another incredible benefit. I was going to say, you know, if, since I've been running, I always say if I could take the positive feelings you get from the other runners and the crowds and the environments in a marathon or ultra world, and apply them to the general population, it would make such a huge impact. Because 
it's nothing but positive, positive for strange help strangers helping, strangers cheering for for strangers, strangers helping strangers, people stopping to to see if they can help lend a hand. You don't see that in usual environment. You're um, absolutely you know, right. Yeah. You know, and you don't see people cheering for, you know, somebody that they don't know or wishing people well, regardless of where they are, helping somebody else to the finish line. You don't see that uh, in in the regular world. And I guess that's that's kind of what sucks me in so much, because in a world that sometimes can be negative or, you know, seem hard, um, despite being hard as far as the endurance aspect, the positivity of it is just overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you can, you know, you and I stood on the finish line at Leadville this past year, and we are, we're cheering and crying for complete strangers that were coming across there. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you know, and uh, we followed them all day long, you know, and all night long. And, and it, it was just incredible. And you're just, uh, you just want to be part of that environment because it's so welcoming and warm. So, you know, anybody out there that's considering it, you said, uh, told me earlier that you might be doing a coaching business. So, uh, you know, um, look Sandy up. She'll, she'll get you to the start line of Badwater. <laughs> I'm happy to crew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, um, and it's not just ultras too. I even put a post a couple of weeks ago. I did a 5k the week after Daytona, a hundred and, uh, the support there was just as incredible, but it's after the race because everybody's out of breath. They're racing so hard that they're running. But I met a couple new friends that we've stayed in touch in just a couple weeks. And, you know, because they're so happy for each other. Oh, how'd you finish? You did great. You know, complete strangers. Um, so it's nice. Uh, in the 5K, it's shorter lasting, obviously, that you're not running along a new friend for with a friend for five hours <laughs> in ultra you can learn someone's life history <laughs> in one 100 yeah so it's great because I always end up running with someone for like when I did Daytona I ran with a woman that um they were from my hometown in Canada wow. it's her first hundred <laughs> it's like such a small world very good. Well, I won't take up any of your time. It's certainly fun to catch up and to follow you. And I guess uh, you'll be crewing uh, for some people at the long haul. So I'll get to see you there. And, um, you know, I'll help you too. <laughs> good. You have to, yeah, yeah please, uh, a kick in the pants may be warranted, you know, maybe bring your poles and just prod me along a little, point me in the right direction. There's one little loop. I get you know, every once in a while, you know, I, I think about, you know, I've been thinking about the race and strategies and all this kind of thing, but there's one little loop um, near the end of the, you know, I think it's probably my 14, 15 area that you kind of just make this little loop de loop. And it's like, man, I wonder in the dark, you know, am I going to get, you know, turn the wrong direction on that little loop de loop type of thing? You know, I have my wits about me. It's like, I can think, surely, if, surely by the time it gets dark, I'll, you know, I'll have that loop de loop down. But yeah, you will. And if any of your clients want to come up and anyone listening to this come up, we're t- my husband and I will be hanging out helping you and four others. And it's a great way to experience and see what the whole community is all about. We see so many friends that come up that 
we were just at a race in South Georgia and um, a girl came up. I saw signs there was a race and I was just curious about it. She didn't run a step, never has. And she was hooked. She loved it. So yeah, if anyone wants to come up, they can come hang out with us. All right. Well, thanks for your time and I'll see you in a couple. Sounds great. Thank you, Dr. Delaney. All right. Thanks, Sandy. Okay. Bye. Bye. You see, you're never too old or too young to start to run. Everybody needs to run. It's a great environment. It's a great positive environment, especially in this world where people are just looking to pick on people sometimes or afraid of different opinions. This is a place where positivity really trumps everything and it's good for you, good for mentally, good for your physical health. So um, I think it's uh, something to consider. And again, you can find Sandy Geisel on Facebook. And if she gets her coaching business started here in the next few months, you might want to look her up. She is located in Georgia, too, with uh, northern Georgia. So, you know, and again, Sandy's story highlights the fact that we just don't want to treat people, treat people's pictures, treat people's numbers. We want to treat people, find out what they want uh, in life, what their journeys are, what their goals are. And how can we help them live a happy, healthier life uh, rather than, you know, maybe just covering our own malpractice by doing procedures on people because their pictures don't look pretty? Um, the reality of it is, and someone's asymptomatic, a stent doesn't make you live a day longer. And as the tests become more invasive, the risk factors and potential side effects are all also there. So nothing is a clear-cut algorithm, and that's the thing that, you know, gripes me the most about the practice of medicine, we just have algorithms. Um, some people call them best practices, but I, I think that um, best practices defined by somebody a lot of times that doesn't really practice medicine. They may sit at an academic institution and not see all walks of life and how it affects people. So I, I think it's important um, when choosing a physician to, you know, find somebody that sees things as you, or sees you for what you are and can relate to you and actually talk to you. I have a full cardiology primary care membership wellness practice here in Port Charlotte. We also um, have members all over the country, but there are also limited online coaching uh, with me and Addie uh, Delaney Minerch, my uh, daughter who's our dietitian. Um, there's coaching just by Addie as far as nutrition, and we have a new online membership that you just get access to all of our online content, including Zoom lectures and Zoom mobility lectures. So if you have any interest in checking out the way we practice medicine uh, and what we have to offer on our website with recipes and, again, uh, lots of different wellness options, please go over to drdelaney.com, D-O-C-T-O-R-D-U-L-A-N-E-Y, Dot com and check it out. Uh, you can have access to uh, all our online uh, material for just $25 a month, uh, all the way up to a full membership is $275 a month. So, you know, a lot of visits are much more than that, and you get us for a whole month for that price. So check it out. We'd love to meet you. Um, thank you to all the people that have signed up already. Uh, I think that uh, a lot of people for the $25 are enjoying the online content 
Uh, we also have a Facebook group, uh, and you know we post recipes there, and again, our wellness challenges. So check it out. Love to hear from you. Thank you for listening. And um, next podcast will probably be a recap of what happens at the Long Haul 100. So thank you and wish me luck. Mm-hmm.